Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. Up next, a story from our True Diversity series, sponsored by the great folks at the Philanthropy Roundtable, America's leading advocate for you to support the causes you believe in. Today, we meet a partner of their campaign, Ian Rowe, founder of Vertex Partnership Academies. Let's get into the story. Take it away, Ian. My parents are from Jamaica, West Indies. Uh, They met in the uh, mid-1950s in England, and my mom took a liking to this guy, Vincent. My mom's name is Eula. And he was working on a sugar plantation. He was an accountant there. He's very smart. And they started dating when they were both very young. You know, she was 18. He was just a couple years older. And, you know, this was in Jamaica. So he used to pick her up for their dates on horseback. So they had these magical dates and they fell in love with each other. And at the time, Jamaica was still an English commonwealth. And so my dad felt that he had reached kind of the apex of what he could learn in Jamaica. So he had an opportunity to go to England to finish his schooling. So he went to England and after being there a few months, he missed his buds. That's what they called each other, buds. 
And at the time, the British government required that if you wanted to marry a young woman who's under 21, you had to write a letter to the young woman's parents asking for her hand in marriage. And so my, you know, Vincent wrote the letter of a lifetime asking for her hand in marriage. It was much consternation in the Sidwright household because she was 19 at the time. Was she going to leave to go meet this man all the way in England? And after much discernment, her parents decided yes. And so my mom, at 19 years old, in the mid-1950s, you know, a young black woman, took a boat all by herself, about a 5,000-mile journey to England to meet up with my dad. And they got married. About a year later, they had my brother. And then seven years later, they had me. So both my brother and I were born in England, in London, and that's why we were born there. You know, they ultimately came to the United States. My dad became one of the early black engineers at IBM. And my mom started working for Manufacturers Hanover, which some of your listeners may not know, but it was a big bank at the time. It ultimately, Manufacturers Hanover, better known as Banny Hanny, became Chemical Bank, which then became Chase, which is now J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, so that's how our journey started. That's why I was born in London, because it was a dream. And in some ways, for my mom, that moment when her parents said yes to this huge decision, I think, and I'll talk a little bit about my own sort of coming of agency moment, I think that's what she experienced. This moment where she felt she had a lot of skin in the game. She played a role in her own destiny, and she was advocating to her parents to be able to go to England at 19 all by herself, something that wasn't done. But she knew that it was right. And it's a lesson I learned from my mom and, and my dad as well. Every young person is going to face multiple moments in their life when the future is unknown, where you're facing a huge decision that you don't know the outcome. And yet, after you've mulled the decision, after you've mulled all the factors, then you commit. You commit. That's a part of agency, that you take ownership of decisions in such a way that, you know, you are leading a self-determined life. You're responsible for your behavior, for your attitude. That's ultimately what agency is all about. And I think for my mom, Having that first big yes many years ago initiated a cascade of decisions that she and then she and my dad made, which, you know, essentially and ultimately inured to the benefit of them as well as uh, their own family. My parents were married for 48 years. When my parents first came to the United States, it was uh, 1968, 1969, obviously a very tumultuous time in our nation's history. A lot of racial tension. You know, there were riots in the streets. But they were very cognizant of what was going on in the country. They were raised in a predominantly black country. So the role of race was far diminished. 
Uh, I remember my dad always used to say, you know, when he was in Jamaica, he was a man. He was a man. You know, in Jamaica, I'm a man. It wasn't until he got to the United States that he learned he was a black man. And that had meaning to him. Because in Jamaica, your skin color wasn't the first thing that defined you. What defined you was much more your actions, your attitude, your ambition. But in the United States, he felt that based on these external forces, you were a black man first. And he fought against that. You know, he said, well, that's crazy. You know? <laughs> Yet they also recognized that the country was changing. You know, the Civil Rights Act had just been signed. The Voting Rights Act was signed. You know, opportunity was opening up. So in some ways, they weren't running from Jamaica. They were running to the United States in search of a better life. And so they instilled in me certainly this idea that your effort and your character and what you do matters far more than the singular characteristics. When we come back, more of Ian Rowe's story, our True Diversity series with Philanthropy Roundtable, here on Our American Stories. Lee Habib here again. Our American Stories tries to tell the stories of America's past and present to Americans. And we want to hear your stories, too. They're some of our favorites. Send them to us. Go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the Your Stories tab. Again, please, go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the Your Stories tab. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash OAS. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OAS. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we return to Our American Stories and with Ian Rowe's story as a part of our True Diversity series with Philanthropy Roundtable. When we last left off, Ian was telling us about a pivotal moment in his mother's life, that being when she decided to move to England as a teenager to marry his father. Let's continue with the story. Here again is Ian Rowe. No matter what chaos may have been happening in the world, my parents were there. We first came to Brooklyn on Wyona Street, and you know, we had a very humble home. We were in a two-family house, and what was interesting about that time was my parents, frankly, were not that happy with what they saw, how young Black men were operating their lives. They thought they were too loose, um, and they were concerned, especially given the larger context of all the issues facing the nation. And so in Brooklyn, when we first got there, yeah, I was kind of on lockdown. All of my education, kindergarten through 12th grade, was in public education. So K to 12, public schools. But from kindergarten, you know, I went to school in the morning, came home immediately, did my homework, we had dinner as a family, went to bed, woke up, went to school, came home directly, did my homework, had dinner, went to bed early. And so my experience growing up was very contained. It was very contained. My parents placed a huge value on being together as a family. They placed a huge value on faith, placed a huge value on education. I did love school. Well, (laughs) let's put it this way. I both loved school and knew that I didn't have any other option but to love school. <laughs> you know, my parents, uh, they placed a very high premium on education. You know, they came to the United States during an era of s- severe racial tension. And they knew that if you were going to succeed in this country, 
the opportunities are there, but you have to be prepared once those opportunities come your way. And so that was really my early life. My parents would do anything for us if they thought it would mean a better life and capitalizing on what they believed America had to offer. And so in 1973, after we had been in Brooklyn for a few years, my parents moved on up. (laughs) If you remember the Jeffersons comedy sitcom. We moved on to Queens. We moved to a small town, Laurelton, Queens, into a community that had been predominantly white, Italian, Jewish, but was slowly becoming more racially integrated as more black people in particular were moving into Laurelton. And unfortunately, that some slow integration led to a lot of racial tension in Laurelton. And my junior high school, junior high school 231, had become the epicenter. And the school board decided to solve this problem by saying, you know what, we're basically just going to putt. We're going to create a new school, an annex in Rosedale, Queens, which was another town a few miles over in a more permanently and predominantly white part of town. And essentially what happened was all of the white parents that were going to my junior high school, 231 in Laurelton, decided to take their kids out and send their kids to this annex junior high school in Rosedale, leaving junior high school 231 as a segregated, virtually all-black school. And my parents, on the assumption that where the white kids go, that's where the better education will be. You know, that's what my Jamaican parents who come to this country in search of the American dream, that's what they presumed. And so therefore, they said to me, They were going to take me out of 231 and send me to this other school. And I'll always remember the Sunday night before the transfer papers were supposed to be submitted, I begged my parents. You know, my parents would crawl through broken glass for me and my brother. You know, they felt they would be good by us. And so... There were a lot of things that they decided that I may not have understood in the moment, but if I gave my parents the supreme benefit of the doubt in every decision. But something about this decision didn't feel right. I loved my school. I loved my teachers. And even this very idea, just because now all the white kids are gone, somehow it has to be worse. Why? Why? Why just because now that everyone's black, That just inherently means that it's bad. And so something welled up in me, particularly that Sunday night that never had welled up before. And I begged my parents, I cried, I pleaded, please let me stay. Please let me stay. You know, I'll work hard. I'll I'll do more chores, (laughs) whatever it is. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I commit. I, you know, I will, I'll work really hard. Please let me stay. And ultimately my parents relented. You know, I look back now and I wonder if in that moment, you know, because my dad was in his regular recliner in the living room and my mom was on the couch, like in the same positions that we always had big conversations as a family. But I always wonder in that moment, even for my mom, did she think back 
to the moment when she was in Jamaica as a 19-year-old girl with this letter in the hands of her parents making this huge decision and she's asking them to go. I want to go. It'll be, it'll work out. I love him. I'm ready to go. And they said yes. I always wonder if that experience parallels to when I was begging for the opportunity now at 12 years old to stay in my junior high school. And, you know, I like to think yes. I like to think yes, because I feel like that was her first coming of agency moment where she felt she knew that she could play a role in her own destiny. And I felt at 12 years old, after my parents said yes, that I had skin in the game now in a way that I never had before. I wouldn't have said it then, but I certainly feel it now. That was the first moment that I experienced agency, that I was a force in my own future, that I had the ability to shape my destiny. And really, that you know, that was a, a turning point uh, in my life. And I'm convinced that every big decision I've made going forward, particularly as it relates to anything related to my leadership in schools, is asking the basic question, why should it matter what the demographic makeup is of a particular institution? Who cares? What matters is the expectations. What we're asking young people to do What is the metric for excellence? Are we holding everyone to high standards? That's what matters. And I'm convinced that the reason I run schools today is connected back to that moment when I begged my parents saying, who cares that all the white kids are gone? I mean, I had had friends who were white and so it wasn't so much that, it was this presumption that just being all black meant it had to be less than. And I never want anyone of any race, of any background, to feel just because they're kids of a certain background in their school or institution, somehow it is less than. So that's you know part of my story back then that I think has a huge impact on me today. And a terrific job on the editing, production, and storytelling by our own Monty Montgomery. And a special thanks to Ian Rowe, founder of Vertex Partnership Academies. And also a special thanks to our sponsor, the Philanthropy Roundtable. Their True Diversity Initiative encourages Americans to embrace all the qualities that make us unique individuals. Because there's so much more to each of our stories than what's defined by a group identity or other superficial traits. And my goodness, what a story he told about the segregation of the schools, even in Queens. White parents pulling out. And his parents wanting him to follow those white kids and him having his coming of agency moment where he said no. A terrific story about so many things, including taking control of your own life here on Our American Stories. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.